Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Hello, everybody. I am back. I am here. I am live. Welcome to Beyond the Pen, where we ask those grueling questions about the publishing world to encourage you, to enlighten you, especially entertain you, and, of course, to unleash your creativity while your publisher is at therapy understanding why they have so many plot issues. Anyways, today I am going to be going solo. Chelsea is it galaxy con having fun as usual but she's in her prime she's in her environment where she gets to have all the fun with all these wonderful cosplayers book lovers storytellers everything between and she's actually doing some little marketing for us too so it makes it even better for us if this is your first time being here thank you for being here i appreciate you if this is your second third or even lifetime being here well you know it's going to happen so i'm sorry uh no it's great we love having you guys here we love hearing everything from you guys so obviously first and foremost to have you go to our website beyondthepenpodcast.com to learn more about us to learn about our authors got some blogs about some tips and tricks here and there yada 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 you know the spiel you know everything about us as well as understanding that you can find our social media links there too so let's just go to beyondthepenpodcast.com first as well as understand that every new episode is uploaded every tuesday and thursday at 5 a.m eastern standard time on your favorite podcasting platform and youtube as well so with all that out of the way I wanted to uh, express our gratitude for to you um, because we are also going to be talking to a lovely, lovely young lady who has went on a journey into one of the most beautiful places on earth, or at least on here in the United States. She went to Yellowstone. She worked at Yellowstone, but then 
she went back to Chicago. How, why, I don't know. I would actually stay at Yellowstone myself, but you know, it's neither here nor there. She went on a journey to find herself, to find out who she was at a very young age and decided to write a memoir about it, calling it The Finest Things Club. The Finer Things Club. I can't even speak today. I apologize. Anyways, but the other great thing about having her on here is that she is a book strategist. She has worked with some big Inc. 5000 uh, industries in the publishing world. I should say 5000 company industries in the industry. I can't speak. I swear. God, I swear. As a voice actor, I know what I'm doing. I swear. I do. Anyways, here's the thing. We want to not only talk to you about some of the strategies that authors need to have to get on a list, but understand what the list is, what the bestseller list is. And of course, go into her story or her memoir and talk about the chameleon effect, having to deal with things that are the perspectives of other people on you comparative to what you truly are and a few other great tips and tricks here and there about journaling and how it helps you with your writing over time. So without further ado, I will bring in the wandering sage herself, Miss Lauren Erickson. Hello, Lauren. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're happy you're here too. So first and foremost, Please introduce yourself to everybody. And if you're willing, of course, please tell us something that we can't find about you on anywhere else besides here. Sure. So my name is Lauren and I'm a very recently published author. My very first book, as was mentioned, is called The Finer Things Club. It came out like, like a month ago. So it's like brand new, brand new. But um, I was actually an educator for a while. I taught sixth grade um, and I was like, wow, this is really scary and really hard. And I somehow ended up like pivoting into the book launching space. And I did that for a year and I had no idea what it was. I really didn't know what to expect with a kind of job like that, but it opened up this whole like portal of just like, oh my gosh, there is like so much that goes into books and in the, in the business most importantly behind books. And so pretty much from that moment, I've been focusing a lot on helping to market books for Indian traditional authors, as well as just providing a little bit more insight onto just what it's about, like what it really means to aim to be an author, I guess, if that makes any sense. So it's kind of a mixed bag. So I talk about some book things, some strategy things, but I've got a, that's, that's just kind of what I do right now. I just talk about books. <laughs> that's true. And if you go to her, her YouTube channel, which is called what now? I think it's at Lauren Erickson, my handle, but the O in my last name is a zero. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, she does put out a lot of interesting uh, facts and tips and tricks here and there. Um, please go to her, her YouTube channel, support her just as much as we're going to support her. And then of course, Lauren, if you could, just so we can get the book part out of the way, because we want to talk about your book. We want to talk about this memoir of the Finer Things Club. Can you give us a elevator pitch per se in 10 words or less of what the book is about? Yes. So my elevator pitch is it is a coming of age memoir all about my experience living and working in Yellowstone National Park. 
as a housekeeper. I'll just put that in parentheses if I can like squeeze that there in. You go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. I think this is something that we've already discussed in a previous episode about mm -hmm. why memoirs are so important and how they are truly something that need to be out there, that people need to look at some, because everybody's story is unique and it is important to tell. I want to talk about your book real quick, and then we'll get into the, the listing itself, because there's something that happens in everyone's life that in a majority of people's lives, I should say, I'm trying not to be judgmental, but statistically speaking, everybody goes through the chameleon effect. And this was a real part of your life. When you started this, you did this at the age of 20, if I remember correctly. Yes, if I remember correctly as well, it's, it feels like forever ago. But yeah, I was I think I was about 20. I had just turned 20, I think. Okay, so here's the thing about the chameleon effect. For all those who don't know what it is, uh, the chameleon effect basically means that you're putting a mask on, that you're trying to be something that you're not just to either take care of yourself as a survival instinct uh, and to be accepted or the sense of just out of habit anymore. Many of us, uh, like myself, who are older, still deal with this, and we just call it a habit because it is. But for you, this was something that was very concrete from a very early age. Mm -hmm. How has this affected your writing, either in a good way or, you know, in the, in the negative side? I feel like with the whole chameleon effect, it allows me in some ways to write from a variety of perspectives which can be a good thing, but other times it's like, you have so many perspectives to, cons to consider that it's like, what is mine? Like, what is it that I really wanna say? And so for me, when I was writing the book, like almost like my mantra or like, you know, the, um, the thing that I kept telling myself is like, just tell the truth, like just tell the truth. Because the thing about memoir that I've learned that I've heard from other people is that people are gonna remember the story differently. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to want to appeal to everyone's version of the story. But this happens to be mine. And I happen to be telling it in the way that I'm telling it. And this is what is most honest and true for myself. So it was almost in some in a lot of ways, like an exercise of like getting grounded in yourself. And it's like, what is it really that I want to say? Because if this is my book, and it's my opportunity to say something that's very true to myself, and that may very well be true to other people, then I really, I need to get this right, you know, get it right for myself and really try to be as clear as possible about it. Which is very true in any memoir or anybody's in life in general, when you're writing the stories that we live, because these are actual events. These are, like you said, this is from my perspective. This is yes. from my life, from my eyes, not yours, not anybody else's. But this can also be very difficult to do, especially when you have that, perfect doll like life everybody sees you in a certain way you are the 4.0 gpa you have this life as being a uh cross uh, cross country runner because your dad was a cross country runner uh being a someone who is very good at speaking because your mother was good at speaking as well and delegating and all these other things about topics and stuff. When you started to journal, because that was your way of being yourself, your safe zone, how long have you been doing that? 
developed from the time you started to now? Probably the better part of like 20 years. And it, it was so interesting because when we were like right in the middle of COVID and, you know, like everyone was at home and didn't really know what to do with themselves. I was like, I got this idea and it was to like go through all of my old journal entries, like all of the ones that are like in the basement, like in the boxes from like forever ago. I got all of them out and I guess more as like a project to myself. I organized all of my entries in chronological order and like put them all in like one giant <laughs> like Word document, which on its I think it, it I like I flew through it. I don't know why, but I, I just like tore through it. I think I did it in like a couple days or something. But like seeing that kind of like evolution, that like inner evolution of kind of coming into your own, it was really interesting to like see like what patterns are still happening in my life. And I was lucky enough to get that kind of bird's eye view and just see how much of my life I told through journaling and how that's kind of come out in the end as this like, you know, book, this memoir, just considering everything that I have to say, everything that I've thought from, you know, what, seven or eight years old until now, it's, I try to be very intentional with, you know, what I know, where I'm at, where I've been and kind of package it neatly for someone else to maybe resonate with as well. So basically you created your own book of life per se. Yes. Yeah. Like a very rough draft version, but yeah. This is your life. And for those who don't get <laughs> yeah. that reference, you are very too young. Sorry. I'm glad that you're, you're telling us this because again, 20 years, that's a lot of stories. That's a lot of feelings to really go back and rediscover. And sometimes they can be painful. Sometimes they can't. They're, sometimes they're just freaking hilarious. Like, why did I do that? How did I do that? How am I still here? Yeah. Kind of thing. I want to ask you this from, from a technical point of view. How has journaling helped you in your writing and detailing all those emotions that you were going through, again, from the age of eight to now? Yeah, I think having journaled so much kind of helped me really exercise and like stay in tune with my own inner voice, if that makes any sense, and just mm -hmm. developing that voice. Because, you know, I, I've gone through the process of like trying to pitch to agents and stuff, and I don't have an agent or anything. I just published with a small press. But that's the thing that I saw in so many of their like submission requirements is like, we want to represent someone with a strong voice. And I was always like, what does that mean? That's so subjective. But I feel like having journaled so much, it's just helped me get really comfortable with how I say what I have to say, if that makes any sense. And just like recognizing my own thought patterns and the kinds of patterns that I have in my thinking and my reflection. And I think it's the introspection for me that was really the key of just like developing that voice and self-awareness to be able to tell a story that, you know, is special for me, but could also benefit someone else. Because it's for me, it's always a two-way street. Like the book was for me in the beginning, but in the end, people are going to read it and I want them to get something out of it too. I hope so because I did, because when I'm looking at this, like, uh, for example, I am looking at, uh, chapter three per se. And one of the things, uh, just to remind you of what it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, chapter three is about when you are actually getting to Yellowstone for the first time and dealing with the drive itself, losing mm -hmm. GPS on your phone. And that's hard in general for, you know, a 20 year old. For yeah. a young person not to have the phone, not to have internet, oh my God, it is like destruction. It is <laughs> Armageddon for many people. 
I wanted I wanted to read something uh, because when I was going through this, because I always read the books out loud to myself. But one of the things I thought was hilarious, and I'm sorry you had to go through this. As I drove, a collection of little canary yellow cabins appeared on my right, sequestered among generous clusters of pine trees. Behind the little neighborhood of houses were two matching buildings, one much larger than the other, with its grand colonial revival architecture. That one had to be the Lake Yellowstone Hotel, where I expected I'd be working, with a smaller one behind some model motel-like version of it all. All three locations butted up to a large shared parking lot where a few lanes were blocked off by a velvet rope, which I assumed to be some kind of VIP parking. Okay, so the reason why I, I wrote that I read that specific piece was because of the detailing. And because of the fact that you were doing this when you were 20 and you're writing it at your age now, which I will not seclude because you still look 20. Um, it was it was last summer that this happened. We understand. We <laughs> Those are details that only journalism, journaling, excuse me, yeah, would be able to tell you what it looked like. Yes. I can definitely understand why you used this revised version of the Book of Life to yes. help you get those details out. Do you think as someone who's done this, is this something that every memoir writer should start to do before they even get into writing the actual book itself? I would say that it definitely helps. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have to like apply that as a hard rule to everyone, but I would say that it definitely helps. It's almost kind of like having like backup support. It's something to lean back on of like, you know, a, what was that thing that I can't remember? That really specific detail. Oh, I probably have it written down somewhere. Like it helps with that, but it's also like, you know, the the way that it happened might be different from the way that you remember it too. Mm -hmm. It's like, who knows? I could have totally gotten the layout wrong, but having those journals and those old entries to rely on really, really helped with not just the structure of it and like describing my own like inner narrative, but also just kind of painting the picture for everyone else, because it's easy for me to see it in my own head. But like how I wrote it down is almost kind of like a guide or like a template for like maybe how I could translate that into like story form for someone else. It definitely helped with that for sure. I would I would recommend it. Yeah, because there was even a point where you were talking about the bison and the way that it looked when it was shedding its yeah. uh, its uh, fur. And also to the point of when you were, <laughs> I hate to say this, but the first time you saw a grizzly bear on the road. It was really, it was really intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely say that grizzlies are very intimidating. <laughs> if you're not intimidated by a grizzly bear, you need to start talking to a therapist That's because a <laughs> there is a major problem in yeah. your survival code. But going from that, because... When we're talking about these techniques, when we're talking about these experiences, we're talking about a genre that relies on your memories being as crisp and clear as possible. Yeah. Because if there's anything I know of as a growing book enthusiast and someone who is actually 
learning more about the publishing world every day, there's a lot of things that get involved in that, especially with memoirs, because memoirs are very, like you said, as a certain perspective. And when you're trying to share some, something to somebody, it really becomes this level of, okay, can I believe them? Because this is authority. You're giving your authority on a specific subject. When you're trying to look at these goals of, okay, I have a story to tell. Here's my story. Is that more important than to go to somebody and say, hey, I am the number one bestseller on Amazon, New York Times, USA Today. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're asking, like, is it worth like showcasing this is a story that I had to tell versus like these are the accolades that come with the story? Yes. Yeah. I want to say that it almost kind of depends on your audience. If you're like, you know, putting together like a website for yourself or something or, you know, you know, posting something on LinkedIn, you know, a lot of professionals and people and agents or whoever, you're going to get a lot of different people viewing you. But I think if you're wanting to access the reader, every reader loves a good story. I mean, people in general love good stories. I feel like I've had more responses, like positive responses from saying, oh, this is, you know, this is an experience that I had that I have to share. I've gotten more positive responses from that than like number one Amazon bestseller or something because A, the bestseller, I mean, you could hit bestseller for five seconds and call yourself a bestseller versus someone who's been at the top of the category for like weeks at a time or something. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good for like, you know, kind of putting on a nice, shiny, put together image. But I think if you're really wanting to just access curiosity, I think the story is a great way to do it. And for me, the story is the fun part anyway to tell. Because I, I get a lot more questions about, oh, what was that like? All this stuff versus like, oh, what was it like being bestseller? It's, you know, it's it's more fun to just to tell the story personally. It's just got a little more substance to, to it, I think. And, and I think that's something that when you're starting to write your first book or even write your 15th book, you know, yeah. the story itself is the most important thing because that is going to be something that people are going to read over and over and over again. If mm -hmm. they've got it at a library, guess what? Mm -hmm. They may be going out and buying it so they can have it themselves and let someone else have that book. The reason why I'm bringing up the bestsellers list is because I hate to say it, but it, it's a, it's a ruse. The bestsellers list is a reflective ruse because as I was doing my own research, and even the New York Times says it itself, is that it's very reflective of what the people in, at that company say is good and what's not. And it's not best, it's not based off of the Nielsen book scan. Now, for those who don't know what the Nielsen book scan is, look it up because it's very important when it comes to writing books, selling books, because those are the things that people are looking at. Can you give them a little bit insight on what the Nielsen book scan is? Yeah, it's basically a database of sales, just all kinds of book sales, um, different stores, different retailers, different outlets, um, you know, even online stores. A lot of them report their sales of their books to Nielsen's book scan. And now I think it's called like Circana book scan or something like that. But it basically just collects sales data 
Um, and you would think that that would be the primary thing that determines a bestseller list since it's got more of a comprehensive view. Bestseller lists aren't always based on those figures. And like you mentioned, the New York Times, for example, is very much a curated list versus the Wall Street Journal, let's say, which is more closely aligned with, you know, the book scan database. It's like you said, it's such a it's it's so random. It just seems so random. But yeah, it's it's basically just a giant database um, that a lot of people and businesses refer to. Which is something I think that if you're going to be coming into the publishing world as an author, that is something that you truly need to understand. Even as a even as a book enthusiast, I think it's something that people need to understand about these lists because what there's five book lists, I believe right now. So you have Amazon, you have USA Today, Indie something, I can't remember what, Indie, okay. Indie Cook or something like that. Okay. Then you have obviously the Wall Street Journal and then New York Times. With these lists, like we said, they're very difficult to get on. Yeah. As a new published author yourself, newly published author, was it ever your goal to be on this list? Not really. I thought, honestly, my biggest priority was to make the thing. And then number two, get a good reaction from it and just have people like it and enjoy it. And for me personally, anything that came after that was a bonus. I think if you're gunning for a bestseller list, that's really great for if you're a business owner and you're writing a book as like a marketing technique, or if you're wanting to bring in more clients or like elevate your authority in a particular field or something. But I feel like if you're just wanting to tell a story, I, for me, the story was the most important part and hitting Amazon bestseller was like, well, great. That's awesome. That's great news. But I think people, people just care about a good story at the end of the day. That's what I wanted to prioritize over everything personally. That being said, because you're seeing it from two different points of view, right? You're mm -hmm. seeing it as an actually published author mm -hmm. and you're seeing it as a book strategist. That being said, mm -hmm. one of the other things that you really talked about in your book was about how our accomplishments are more completed out of fear than they mm -hmm. are out of just because we want yeah. them to be there. As a book strategist, would you agree or disagree to this, that this is something that you're seeing more people doing out of fear? or out of just, hey, I wanna be one of those known as a best-selling author? I'm wondering if part of it is just due to plain old FOMO, the fear of missing out. Like everyone wants to be a bestseller. Everyone wants Thank to hit you. Amazon. Everyone wants Thank to, you know, have like the shiny plaque on their wall. Um, <laughs> the new shiny, it's the new yeah. shiny thing. Yeah, like it's great, that's awesome, but I, I guess it depends on what you're wanting to use the book for. If you're using it as like a marketing tool, then great. Maybe maybe hitting Wall Street Journal or Amazon or something is is your is your goal. But if you're wanting to write a book for people to read, then you know I, I would consider just the bestseller stuff more of a perk. Um, that's just how I frame it in my mind. Understanding again with the Nielsen book scan, it only deals with sales from physical books. And it's mm -hmm. not really 
e-leading to sales in ebooks because again that's still something they're working on to my knowledge how do you think publishers need to approach these uh international markets and translations and when considering the adaptability of the book for these different audiences and cultures because of this list yeah i feel like you hear about that so much with these like huge authors like you know just Stephen King or, you know, any of these like big names. And I feel like that can very much like romanticize what book publishing can be for a lot of people, especially who are starting out and are new or young authors or, you know, trying to create a name for themselves. But I mean, again, I, I guess it's just like if your goal is to spread your message or share your story, then, you know, and you think that someone from a different culture could very much benefit from it, then like, yeah, that might be a great conversation to have with your publisher or, you know, to read your contract a little cl more closely and just see if, if that's taken into consideration. I know for my publisher, I think they, it's, it's international on just like online retailers only my book. It's not like in physical stores or anything, but I guess that's the great thing about having more digital retailers is that it can be more easily distributed, whether it be like ebook or I don't know, maybe if they have printing abroad, I'm not, I don't know the specifics of that. I think it's just a balance of like managing your expectations with international rights of like, oh, if I go international, it means that I'm an international bestseller. Not necessarily. There's so many little like technicalities just everywhere in publishing. So many like buts and it depends is, and I think I said that wrong, but no, you're good. Yep. You're yeah, right. Funky. <laughs> no, but it's but yeah, true though. Yeah. Yeah. I th yeah. So I, I think it's just like, and that's probably my biggest advice is like as early as you can identify like, A, why you're even writing the book and B, what your, what your personal goals are. Cause it's so easy to be like, well, naturally I want to hit bestseller. I mean, do you, is that, does that really matter to you? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. So that, you know, when you have these opportunities to, you know, go international or have a book that's on like international retailers or something, it, you know, it's good to kind of check back and be like, yeah, I think this kind of aligns with, you know, what success looks like to me personally. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, there's a lot to consider. Definitely on that. There's so many. That's, that's what I was saying. When you, when you look at these lists and how reflective they are, depending on who's writing them or where mm -hmm. they're coming from and the data that's being used, there is a sense, and by the way, you can go and go to the New York Times and you can actually read the actual article itself. They actually built it up and they actually said it themselves because they were being truthful. But anyways, they went to court because he was saying that he was selling all of these books. He had- James Patterson? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Was it James Patterson? Cause he was, he was saying, oh, I sold more books than what was on the list and they didn't recognize him for it. Oh, it was the uh, William Blatley who wrote the novel, The Exorcist, because he sold more than, uh, he more than sold than 10 million copies and obviously became a famous movie, but initially it did not appear on the list. And so when he tried to take the New York times, uh, to court because his name wasn't on the list, even though he was making all of this slot. Um, he was saying he was losing millions of dollars in sales because of it. And then unfortunately the New York times defense was uh, stated that the list did not per, uh, 
purport to be an object uh, compilation, excuse me, of the information, but instead was an editorial product. Mm. And they took this up all the way to the, uh, the Supreme Court. And he, he lost a lot of money based off of that. And because of that, now these lists, that's why I'm saying these lists are so reflective and they're just all editorial and that's it. They're not yeah. off of, based off of direct actual uh, data. With all of that being said, because I think this is so important and with your expertise on both sides yeah. of the publishing world now, mm -hmm. you have that different thought process and seeing how people can get their name out there. That way they can get to not only the data on Nielsen's book scans, but also mm -hmm. in the eBooks as well as on the lists with it being so competitive, how do you think aspiring authors can build their platforms and attract the attention of these publishers and of these editorial lists? I mean, so it's so much like a chicken and the egg thing because a lot of it has to do with luck and timing. I yeah. mean, it's so, I hate to say that, but so many publishers and, and, you know, successful perennial authors have, have said that, but it's, it's very much chicken and the egg because books influence trends, but trends also influence what books get published. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I say timing and good luck. It's just like, I, like, I wish there's something that was more tangible, but like, you know, numbers, of course, platform, that's like such a popular question of like, how many followers do I need to have or newsletter subscribers do I need to have to get published traditionally? And like many other things in publishing, it's just so darn subjective and you're going to get different answers from different people. And there's a big debate that's happening right now because there's a lot of shifts happening in the publishing space, just business wise. And a lot of agents, for example, are thinking, you know, it shouldn't just be about the numbers. You can have 200,000 followers on Instagram with very minimal engagement. So it's, it's just, there's so many things that just have to work right. The timing just has to be, I don't know, just so right for the moment. And it's, it's very much like lightning striking, you know, it's like how there's two signals that come together and when they meet, you know, that's when the lightning happens. And, but I think it's just, considering what your goals are, getting lots of different perspectives from different people, doing your research, listening to this podcast, there's, there's just inform yourself as much as possible, I would say for the particular kind of genre or books that you want to be known for. But there's just, there's so much that has to happen at the same time for it to just boom, like take off. Like some of these debut authors that you hear about, they just have such a massive entrance Colleen Hoover, for example, her name is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm pretty sure she self-published at first and then got bought out by one of the big, bigger five publishers in New York City. And now she's, she's got like three different titles on the New York Times. There's just so much has to happen. It's just ridiculous. But timing is a big part of it. Money is a big part of it too, because there's a lot of politics that are involved in this. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's why we say it's an editorial list that mm -hmm. you're looking at. Most of this stuff is more towards the traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. When we're looking at self-publishing, because that's one of those big things that's starting to increase in 
the, the publishing world's uh, profits is that actually it's cutting into their profits, I should say, excuse me, because of the fact that these big traditional companies, by the way, is where all these numbers are coming from. Yeah. Even in the indie scene, they're not seeing as many profits because not enough, not a lot of people are going to them specifically to publish their stuff. With that all being said, I want to thank you for being on here because it is one of those things that I think we need to bring a lot of people that have been on both sides of the publishing world mm -hmm. to give that insight into, especially when it comes to self-publishing, because again, self-publishing is something that's on the rise, especially with eBooks, PD and digital copies, all this other stuff, because there is a difference between eBook and digital copy. There's a major difference. We'll go into that a different time too. <laughs> But now that we've talked about the publishing world, now that we've talked about a little bit about your book, by the way, everybody needs to go out and get this wonderful memoir because it's so, like I said, it's very poetic. It's very poetic. <laughs> I want to know about you now. We wanted to learn a little bit about your experiences. So first off, what is your writing kryptonite? Honestly, the act of writing scares me. And it's like, you very, I very much have to like, really inf like, I have to have the perfect environment to feel like I can give my attention to the page because it's like, when you start, it's like, you have no idea where it's going to go. It's literally a blank slate. And it's like, this could be the next horrible thing that I write, or it could be the next best one. And so I think the unpredictability of what happens when you write or the kind of day you're going to have when you write can, <laughs> can scare me a little bit. But yeah, I just, I procrastinate so much with writing. I, they say that writers, what is it? I'm going to butcher it. It's like writers dislike writing or, or writers are scared of writing or something like that. So let me ask you this as a follow-up. Are you a plotter or are you a panter? Oh my gosh. I'm so the first one. I'm very much a planner. And I don't know if it's like a memoir thing or what, but I, I, I got a poster board from Walmart like a couple years ago and I did a whole story map with like post-it notes and like these arcs and graphs and it was ridiculous. I didn't even follow it. I just followed what was in my journals, but I'm very much the first one. So it basically looked like a police station, just homicide. Yeah, I, yeah I, it's in my closet right now, but it's like, it's all folded up and in the back corner. I'm like, we don't need to talk about that, but it was... No one talks about the plotter. We don't, no we don't talk. talk about the planner in the closet. <laughs> Is there a quote, a person, a song, something in your life that inspires you to continue writing? Oh my gosh. There's so many. I have, I'm not really a big Pinterest person, but I have a whole board dedicated just to writing quotes. But I mean, I have to go, I have to go with Stephen King's classic advice from his book, which I highly recommend on writing. It's so it's so amazing, but he's just like, if you want to write a lot, you got to read a lot. And it's like, if, if you're someone who is more story driven than like marketing driven, meaning you're not like writing a book for a company to sell and up, you know, stuff like that. If you want to tell a story, read a lot of books and it's, it's just so nice. One just feeds into the other and it's like, oh, I can't talk right now. I'm reading a book so that I can write one later and give me a lot of permission to just like keep reading. <laughs> Stop talking to me. You are right. embedding into my reading time. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> if you were write a fictional book, would you actually write 
people in your life into it and then immediately kill them off because they pissed you off? Or would you hide it? Oh, my God. What was the latter one? Or hide it. I mean, if I really, really detested someone, probably. But I don't, I'm definitely not a hateful person. So I think I would just like torture them a little bit, but not necessarily kill them all. Get out some aggravation, you know? I need to, I think I need to rephrase that question a little bit. Are you petty <laughs> enough for, to kill someone off in your, that pissed you off in real life to kill them off in a book specifically just because they pissed you off? Like specifically just killing? Probably not. Cause I feel like I would think to myself, I'm so much better than this. Like if I'm writing it, I'd be like, come on, come on, Lauren, we can, we can work through this, but probably if, if they had to die, I would say probably not. Well, you already said it too, though. You would torture them. I'm going to make you suffer. <laughs> like, don't mess with me. I'll put you in my book. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving yes. on now. Um, final question. Sure. What is next for Miss Lauren Erickson? Oh gosh, you know what? I'm working on that right now, actually. I I'm wanting to really put together a whole brand that is dedicated to helping people get published in a way that helps prepare them for what to expect. When there, because there's this inevitable shift that happens from the craft of writing a book to the business of publishing one. And I don't feel like many people talk about that transition or that space in between. So I would love to talk more about that and create more helpful content or experiential content for, for people to really kind of help manage expectations, feel like they know what they're getting into and kind of feel like they have a bit of a plan. Because for me, when I was when I was writing a book and everything, it's like, where do you even start? There's like 10,000 directions. What am I supposed to prioritize? Where do I put my focus? Like I need a mentor, you know, kind of figure. So I really, I would love to position myself as, as kind of like a help, as like a guide for people to, to lean on. So that's, kind of what's next, I guess, broadly. Well, Lauren, thank you again for being on the show. I hope that all of that goes directly as you plan it, since you are such a plotter. Um, (laughs) Just try not to just put it on a poster board instead. I know. If we can can avoid the poster board, we'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) Avoid the poster board, yes. Tell us where we can find you, the new events, or anything that you're going to be involved in. The floor is yours. So um, my book is available at thefinerthanksclub.life. If you go to that website um, specifically, you'll get access to different bonuses. You can read the first couple chapters of the book for free. You just get a whole lot of cool stuff. Some of the bonuses are like a playlist, all the books that I read when I was in Yellowstone. So feel free to check that out. Otherwise, I'm very active on Instagram. And my handle is Lauren Erickson, L-A-U-R-E-N-E-R-I-C-K-S-0-N, because the regular one was taken. And what else? My website is Lauren Erickson Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S.com. So I'm available on all those places. (laughs) That is awesome. Thank you again for being on here. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you. 
this is someone that you need to start following. And if you go to her Instagram, because I'm already following her, I've been following her for a while. And it's funny that there's a lot of things that she puts out that's very entertaining. Uh, and then, of course, there's some points are like, is she sane? Um, but again, what author is not sane? What, uh, what reader is sane in the saints? Anyways, but go out, follow her support her because i know we're going to be doing the same thing we've been doing it for a while so we're already on the bandwagon that's going to happen and again one of the things that we really wanted to emphasize on this episode was even if you're dealing with the chameleon effect you're not alone it is a double-edged sword just be careful about how much you're putting into other people and enjoy it when people really put stuff back into you. Follow those people. Have them in your inner circle because you're both going to be there to support one another. As an author, these are great things, but they can also be very harmful. They can drain you physically, mentally, emotionally, and sometimes even spiritually, depending on your views on that. The other thing is I would definitely suggest that you start journaling. If you're wanting to be a, uh, writing a memoir, Start journaling because it's a great tool to use to help you write. And like Lauren, again, she's been doing it for 20 years, uh, which is basically since she was a baby. When you're doing it, you're getting those details that you would have forgot about 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Continue doing that. You're going to start noticing how you describe things, these emotions that you have, the surroundings. These things are going to help you. And of course, the final thing that I definitely want you to, again to walk away with is understanding that if you're going to be a writer, if you're going to be someone that just wants to be a part of the publishing world, remember that all of these lists that we were talking about are all editorial. Now they're just slowly starting to get into using the book scans, the Nelson book scans, the NDP, whatever you want to call it, but they are there. But you have to understand the story has to come first. That's why we're here. We want to unleash your creativity. We want to unleash the real you. And don't worry about if you're on the list or not, because that's a byproduct. The story is what people want. The accomplishments are going to come later. So until next time, when we have our walking vial of chaos with us again and Miss Chelsea Rice, please continue to write, to inspire, to encourage one another, and keep sharing those stories because we want to hear you. We want to see you. So again, follow us at beyondthepenpodcast.com to learn more about us. You can see all of our our links on social media there. You can learn about myself, about Chelsea, and all the great things that we have, the tips and tricks, and the other authors that we have interviewed. Lauren's going to be there. She's going to be giving us all of her information, so you can go and find her at her website, laurenericksonwrites.com. You can find her at Lauren Erickson with the zero, not the O, on Instagram. You can find her on YouTube, same place. I believe it's the same, uh, sa the same link and everything else, but we'll have those links on there for you. And of course, like I said, just enjoy life. Write it down because I'm sure 20 years from now, 
you're not going to be like the publisher and the therapy trying to figure out the plot of their series. So until next time, folks, keep writing, keep inspiring, keep sharing and unleashing your creativity. Hey, folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.